0: Um, like I said, we're in our series, Finding Balance. That we're in this a few weeks. If this is something that interests you today, and maybe you haven't heard the rest of our series, um, you can find it online and get caught up because I, I think it's really good and really important for the world that we um, are living in. Last week, we started the discussion on how to balance your time. Uh, we focused on that the balance scripture tells us to have between working and resting. And um, I think that's a really important foundation to what we're going to talk about today because we're still continuing. Talking about balancing our time, but these topics I think we've today are more important, but are probably impossible without getting that first balance right in our world today. Uh, we've been using the illustration that Solomon gives us in Ecclesiastes 7:18. It says, It is good that you grasp the one and do not let the other one slip from your hand, for the one who fears God will end up with both of them and avoid both extremes. We talk about how balance is really holding on to all extremes so you find yourself somewhere in the middle. Right? And I, the more I've been thinking about this, it's like, man, that's a lot of ropes to hold, right? And to, to think, you know, I love in this, uh, this video, he, he talks about the, the more things you try to balance, the more complex, and the more focused you have to be on it. Um, but if we can really hold on to those things and do our best, we'll find ourselves in the middle. Um, we talked about last week living each day as if it was our last, not worrying too much about the future, not dwelling too much on the past, I'm a poet and I didn't no know um, Okay, but we covered how much time is, like how time is our most valuable resource that we all have. Everybody has time. Um, it, it's here for you and we talked about how we should really be managing it better. Um, Eckhart Tolle, the author of the book The Power of Now, says time isn't precious at all because it is an illusion. What you perceive as precious is not time, but the one point that is out of time, the now. That is precious indeed. The more you are focused on time, past, and future, the more you miss the now. The most precious thing there is. Precious now is the only moment we're guaranteed. You can't go back and change your past in our guaranteed future, but right now. And I'm coming to find that, I'm I'm on this finding balance journey with you guys. I didn't study it for like multiple years and now come prepared. And I started a little bit ahead so that I could bring this to you, but I'm still on this journey with you and finding it in my life. And I'm really finding that finding balance and holding on to those extremes is being kind of extreme in the moment. Right? If you're resting, go all out in that If you're working, give it your all. Be present in that moment. Uh, I like I've said before, I'm a daydreamer. I'm constantly never really where I am always think about what's next or what more could happen somewhere and um, I really like hiking and you guys probably also know that about me but one of the things I like about hiking is it forces me to stay in the now moment because I can daydream while I walk but when I'm hiking and there's all the things on the trail if I'm not paying attention to the now I will fall on my face and I don't want to fall to my death in the middle of nowhere and um, so it it causes me to focus in that moment it also causes me to think realities of my moment like have I brought in enough water? Do I have water? Am I going to make it to my next water source? But it all comes back down to like each step that I'm taking right now. Being present with your family, with God, with work, with anything, is really hard to do today. Right? There's distractions everywhere. they are endless. You have social media, TV, text messages, Snapchats, your DMs. You have work, let alone your own thoughts. I feel echoing. Am I echoing? OK. Um, maybe it's my thoughts. I don't know. I don't But even like, trying to balance all the things that are healthy and good in our lives sometimes feel like more work can take us out of the moment of now. Um, the video we just watched, his name is Rocky Bien, and um, he talks about that idea of adding more than two things starts to make it more complex, which means he has to slow down more. He has to focus more right then in that moment to make things I think the more complex, the more focused. Imagine what your life would look like if you were 100% focused in each and every moment of your life. Right, how many of you this morning have already thought about something besides church right here, right now? How I many of you, like, what do I eat for lunch? Right? Or, like, how long is this meeting going to go afterwards that keeps me from the lunch that I want to have? You know, like, I, I mean, really, like, is my excuse to dip out of this meeting going to be good enough that people will believe that? I know he is. I so watch Now, but, I mean, I, during worship, there's moments like, oh, what am I saying for this meeting? Am I really prepared for this meeting today? You know? And it takes me out of the moment right here, right now, where I could have been giving my all to God. And I, there's so much good in this series, and it's not like because I'm saying it. really bring balance and focus on the moment, things would really change. Rocky goes on to talk about that video. He's like, the peace you have in that moment when you just let go and you see it, balance. You know, he goes on, like I said, to say that this balanced heart that he's done, that, that it's helped him gain a mindset to live a fulfilling life. And maybe when Jesus was talking in Matthew 10, 39, he says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you, you will find it. Maybe he was talking about balance. But it's funny because it, it almost brings balance to our picture of balance, right? Holding on to all things that help us find ourselves in the middle, but if we let go of it in the moment, that's where we'll find what? Balance. Hold to one extreme too tightly and you'll lose it. Okay? Be purposeful in planning your life with balance, but, live, but to really live your life is letting go in each moment. Like I said, today we're going to be discussing more things about balancing our timing, so it's going to feel like it's adding some complex things to what we talked about last week to try and make it all happen, but it is possible with God, and it's possible because we're only given our now, and in that now, in the moments that we're in, we need to do our best to be present to live it out fully. Um, So we're going to look at some extremes between time with God, time with others, and time for yourself. They're all scriptural things. We're going to look at all those extremes and how we need to balance them and how it will affect our life. So if you want to turn to the book of Pai, it's in the Old Testament towards the end, um, chapter 1 we're going to briefly read a section there, but to give some background um, to what's going on in this um, story here in the Bible is says the nation of Israel um, they had just been released from about 50 or more years of captivity in Babylon, they were um, their whole nation was um, stolen away to Babylon they had ruined their nation, God's temple, everything was just torn down, and they were in this other city in captivity. Um, There's a lot of history into why they got released, but they were released and and, um, sent back to their homeland, and they were really excited for their freedom, obviously, as anybody would, and they went back home, and they were so thankful for God um, of setting them free that they went back to the foundation of the temple, and they built the foundation, and they built an altar on it, and they worshiped God. And um, some neighboring nations at that time had, you know, they, they knew of Israel as this big, great nation at one point that conquered all of these things, and they were really afraid that they were going to build back strong again. So before they got built, they started sending threatening letters and threatening them to not finish their temple or not finish their city because, you know, we we're going to come after you. And so they stopped, and they just started to focus on their own houses and the walls by their houses that they would be saved, and that's what we're asked to start of Haggai. About 20 years has passed since they built that altar and worshiped God and thanked him for setting them free. It's 20 years years ago. Haggai 1 uh, verses 2-6 says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panel houses while this house remains ruined? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your food. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in them. I have, uh, some of those phrases ever rang true in your life where you feel like, wow, oh, my paycheck is not stretching as far as it used to, or the food in my fridge is never lasting long enough um, to get through these things. And I know that I've had moments my life where I felt that way, it's like, I know I put $20 in these pockets of my pants and they disappeared before I even had the opportunity, and um, the the scripture continues, verse 7, it says, this is what the Lord Almighty said, give careful thought to your ways, go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little, what you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains ruined, while each of you is busy with their own house. There are two problems I see in this, and the first is a problem of the people. That they don't have much, and that their things aren't seeming to last, and that's a problem, right? And the second problem, though, is a problem with the people. That they are too busy, focused on their own stuff, and they left God's house unfinished for years. You see, at that time, the temple was the place that God had to dwell in those days. It was his home, and basically they left God homeless. You know, he sent their priests so they could come back home and build him a home, a place to dwell, and they forgot about it, and they left. But not only were they not doing anything about it, they were building their own house. Right? It's almost like a, a slap in God's face. like, I know you're homeless, but i got to spend time building my house and make it nicer, right? Right, be I mean, like somebody coming out you to eat and you're like, sorry, I don't want really to have time to make you food because I'm making dinner. You know, like, wait a second, that's not right, like, just give me some extra You're already working on you know, the tools around, you know, like, I see that extra plate you have just sitting there, you're like, that's for decorations, you know. I don't know, that was just my mom, I guess. Right. But, you know, it, it was sad, right, and it got to like, hey, remember who did all this for you? And so he had to remind them by allowing their stuff to not last as long as to get their attention back to him. And that, I mean, that happens in our lives all the time. You know, I think almost every moment of, of struggle is really just a moment that God allows so that we can turn back to him. Uh, you know, I, I don't like to see my children get hurt. I don't like to see them fall or fail at anything, but also some of my favorite moments are when my kids are crying and running to me and I get to hold them heal them, and they come back to me, and I feel like God's like, Man, I have so much better for you, and you're out running over there, and if, yeah. you know, and if he does saying, well, things, he allows things to happen, so then we turn back to him, and that's this story. Right? There's a new temple for God to dwell in these days. right? It's, it's not about this building. God doesn't dwell here. And right? We talked about this in our last series of The Core Treats, but First 1 Corinthians 6, 19, says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? The new place for us for God to dwell is in us, but not like individually, but us, the body of Christ. We are the new house of God. Right? Not not this, but us, the people here, the people there all gathered around uh, on Sunday morning. We are the house of God. You know what this beginning of the year, you know, a lot of people take the beginning of the year to to set new goals, you know, make um, decisions about, like, okay, what do I want to see happen in my life this year, And I want you to ask yourself, whose house have you been building? Right? God told him in verse 7, give careful thought, which to me is really similar to, right, live as wise people, making the most of every opportunity. Uh, God also asks this. Is it a time for building your house? Right? And I love this verse because there is a time to do those things. There is a time to focus on your things, but the priority should be God's things first. And often, we're quick as Christians to not spend our time doing bad things. Right? Most Christians are like, yeah, those are bad, we shouldn't be doing them. But we often have a problem choosing between good things and God's things. Right? It's good to build your house and take care of your family and do those things. But it also is better that we focus on God's things first. Sometimes the enemy, he doesn't even really want us doing bad things. I mean, I'm sure he'd love that. But if he can get us distracted with doing just enough good things that we forget about God's things, he's pretty okay with that. Jesus talked a lot about this in Matthew 6, the very middle of his Sermon on the Mount. And he says in verses 19 through 21, he says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. <laughs> right, and we jump down to the 31 through 34 says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your Heavenly Father already knows, kingdom and the rest of that stuff will happen. Right? Don't store up things on earth It's not worth your time. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about eating or drinking. Seek the kingdom of God. Live right and you'll know everything you need. We have to learn to find that balance. Right? And Solomon in Ecclesiastes 3.11 said, yet God has made everything beautiful for his own time. He's planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning. Paul in Ephesians 3, 1-2 said a similar thing. He says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Eternity is in us. Ecclesiastes said, God placed eternity within us. The kingdom of God is in us. And it should be our first thing, right? Set our eyes upon eternity, upon God's things. We may not see why and how and what it's going to look like and how God's going to work it all out, but He will if we seek Him first. So if you give careful thoughts to your ways, have you been focused on building God's kingdom or your own Right? If we're seeking God's kingdom first, then we should be doing our best to live within the commands of that kingdom. Right? And, uh, something you guys should have heard from me multiple times when we've been here more than once is, uh, what is the greatest commandment for us to follow? Well, Matthew 22, 36-39, it says, teacher, which is the most commandment, most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important, love your neighbor as the first commandment is to love God and people, well, that's the greatest command. They're equal. First, love God. And second, though equal, is love others as yourself. So let's look at what loving God means, okay? If we're seeking God's kingdom first, and this is His greatest command, and the first of it is to love Him, then that's what we should be doing with everything that we have. It should be our first and primary focus. And 1 John 5, three says loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome, right? 2 John six says, love means doing what God has commanded us. And he has commanded us to love one another, just as you have heard from the beginning. Right To so love God is to keep his commands. But what has he commanded us to do? To love one another. 1 John one 2 says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children.'" We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commands. Right? Loving God is loving others. And loving others is loving God. It's a circle. The circle of love. I'm just kidding. Um, but but this, this, this circle of, of love, I mean, it really is this thing. Like The greatest commandment is to love God, but we can't love God without loving others. And when we love others, we're loving God. First 1 John 4, eight goes as far to say that anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. This is why Jesus says, when talking about the greatest commandment, that the second is equal. Right? Loving others is equal because you cannot love God without loving others. It's like Jesus knew we'd be looking for balance in this, right? So, as far as we know so far, right, we need to seek first God's kingdom. In our lives, we need to make time for God number one. But in making time for God number one, we find that really we need to spend time with others. The early church in Acts made time for each other daily. Acts 2.46 says, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes uh, for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. <laughs> Hebrews 10.24-26 20, says, Let us think of ways to motivate one, an- one another towards acts of love and good work. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know, God declared in Genesis 2.18, it is not good for man to be alone. Right? And this isn't just a verse about marriage. It's a verse in general. It's, it's not good for man to be alone and not have a woman. It was just not good for man to be alone. We were made for relationship. We were made for fellowship. Not only with God, but with each other. And another week we're going to tackle these, this idea of um, balancing relationships, but for today, understand that we were made for one another. Right, there isn't any direct verses in the Bible that command us to spend time with friends. But there's plenty of context that shows its importance. Right, John 15, 12-13 says, My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends then if time, if now, is our most valuable resource, right, then what if one of the greatest acts of love we can do on earth is to give people our time? To give it to our friends? To give it to others in need? It's referenced many times that, that the church is a body. It all throughout the New Testament, like, we're a body. But what good is a body if it's all separate? Like, I mean, how great would my hands be if they lived in China, you know, like, pointless. Right. And so we need each other, but we need each other together. Ecclesiastes 4, 7 to 12, um, Solomon, again, he says, I observe yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone without child or brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. And then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless in the Verse 9, these are some famous verses you guys have probably heard at a wedding or two before. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple graded quarter. Solomon over and over again the Ecclesiastes, he's, he's talking about how he's searched everything in life, and he probably did at that time being the, one of the wealthiest people. Um, he wanted to be the wealthiest person in life, one of the wealthiest people of all time. Um, having access to whatever he wanted, in the wisdom of God, he, he looked at everything on earth, and he decided that pretty much everything is meaningless. If you read Ecclesiastes, that's meaningless, that's meaningless, that's meaningless, but there's a few things that he points out that's not meaningless. One is having other people around, And Right? Neither multiple times. We all know that he goes Ecclesiastes 8.15. This is one example where he says it. Um, maybe every other chapter, it seems like. He says, so I recommend having fun. Right? The Bible tells you. He recommends you to have fun. Okay? All right? It's good. Because there is nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way, they'll experience some happiness along with the hard work God gives them under the sun. He says over and over again, everything is meaningless. But what does have meaning? Eating and drinking and enjoying life with your friends, having fun. Jesus understood this. In Mark 6, 32, 32. there's a little clip of a story that says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry to her and told him all they had done in time. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by hope for a quiet place where they could be alone. Jesus, when, you know, a while ago, when we were looking at Jesus' life, when he walked on the earth, um, even when he was gathering his disciples, it involved just him inviting people over to his house to eat and hang out with them. And other times, he invited himself over to their house. So he did that a lot, too. I don't necessarily recommend that, um, you know, but it, it does work sometimes, you know. Um, it's good and it's Jesus-like to hang out and eat with your friends. In doing so, you're even loving God and seeking first His kingdom. And like, this is both for the extrovert and introvert. Some of you are like, I don't, I don't do that. I don't talk people. <laughs> no, you right? I'm like that. No, what you do? It's just certain people, right? It's, it's got to have you. pick and choose it. It's still very good for you in the same way. It will look different for every single person, but it's not an excuse to not have friendship. There are so many good stories of friendship in the Bible. David and Jonathan, um, chapter after chapter, Jonathan and David carrying and looking out for each other. Jonathan literally giving up his life. Giving up the throne to the kingdom for David, for his best friend. Ruth and Naomi, which I uh, Aaron talked about at the beginning of the month, they, they headed off on a adventure together for some, their, their family and their nation to um, stay together and leave everything else behind because they just cared about each other. Even the book of Job, um, Job loses everything and he's completely distraught and just like over life. And he has three friends who come and sit with him. Just sit with him for days, without even talking. Just there morning with him. Amen. Some they would be willing to set aside everything they have just to come and be there as things are hard. I'm currently reading a book called The Second Mountain uh, by a guy named David Brooks. He's a writer for the New York Times and um, many different things. And uh, he actually wrote a really popular book about how to succeed in your career, basically. And then he had a big like issues with life, and he realized that that first mountain of climbing your career and living by yourself is not what life is about. It's really about this second mountain, where we shift from individuality to community. And uh, that book, I'm only like a third of the way through it, and still it's probably by far like one of my favorite books I've read in the last however many years. And but in there, he talks about that sociologists right now, and they're looking at culture all around, especially um, first world nations, he's find, they're finding that social isolation is actually the root for pretty much all of the problems that we're seeing today. And that even though we're more connected than ever through technology, we're actually more distant than we've ever been in community. That our society has shifted from this community mentality to individuality, and there should be somehow but right, if you go back, you know, a couple generations before me, you find people who like, not only like, those knew who the neighbors were, but actually cared for them. They lived in a community, they, they hung out together, they grilled together, they, um, their identity was found in their community that they were from. You know, they, they worked lifelong jobs in, in one place because they were dedicated to that. And there was kind of this uh, reward for not leaving your community. All about building that community and staying there, and you're kind of rewarded for your lack of self mostly and just being apart, being one. You know, on one hand, that's one extreme, but you know, we hit the 70s and moved on from there, where everyone's like, No, you go live and do your own thing, and right we we now live in this time where everybody believes they should be the fullest expression of themselves, right? Be individual, be unique, that's what's best for you. Do not conform. And that's almost another extreme. We need both, right? We need each other. It should take sacrifice of ourselves, right? To love someone. If you're not sacrificing something of your own, then you're not truly loving loving them, right? When God is saying it's time to build up my house today, he's saying it's time to build up each other. Right? God's most precious thing. That he has is people. It's us. It's the, those who are, are still lost. It's those that have already been found. It's the people around us. Right? So when God saying, focus on my house, he's not talking about the things that are happening in this building directly. He's talking about the things that happen with the people. And this church here, we exist to build up people, whether it's connecting with each other on a Sunday morning and connecting with God together being encouraged and challenged um, with a message to, to go out and love people more on Sunday mornings, whether it's um, about working on recovery on Thursday nights or digging deeper into fellowship um, and studying on Wednesdays or caring for those in need through the pantry or through other outreaches that we do. It's all about the people. It's not about the people. So what does it really look like to, to love one another besides just this general idea of Romans 12, 10 says, love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring one another for each other. Another version says, outdo each other in honoring one another. <laughs> what a difference to our culture would be if that was our goal, right? You entered into a, a discussion with somebody and your goal was to outdo honoring one another. What well, you would like them to do to you. That is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Skip it. This is the last last First read Peter 2.17 says, respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the King. Philippians 2.3 says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. And I need that like constantly in front of my if everybody else in the world would just wear that shirt for me, that might be selfish. I down, right? but, so that when I look at them, that that's what I saw. I saw somebody posted, I feel like this, but like, you will never look into somebody's eyes, or you never look into the eyes of somebody that God doesn't love. And it's like, man, it's so that idea. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress other people. Be humble. Thinking of them is better than you. In like Galatians 6.3, Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. Right? Sharing each other's burdens, taking on the burdens of other people around you, that is obeying the law of Christ. But if you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. That, that's not me saying it. just me Okay? So you're not that important. That's what the Bible says. Uh, I, that verse hates me all the time, because right, like, oh, but I got stuff I need to. You're a fool to think that your stuff is more important than the people around you. The foolish, the most foolish thing you can do is not care for God's people. Like, there's so much goodness in that. Like, you're, you're going completely against Christ when you decide to choose your own things over the people that need you. We're on the earth for each other, everybody, like And we are a society of choosing your own thing. Galatians 6, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially us. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7, this is the definition of love, right? Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up and never loses faith. is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. We've done this before, and I think it's always worth doing. Anytime I come across it, I always do this. is I replace the word love with my name. And see if I can say this verse honestly. Maybe you really want to step it up, add it on Facebook or on social media today. the we'll Right? Check this out. Andrew is patient and kind on Facebook.
1: Love is not jealous, boastful, or Andrew is not
0: jealous, boastful, or proud, or rude on social media. Andrew does not demand his own way. Andrew is not irritable. Andrew keeps no record of being wrong. Andrew does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth goes out. Andrew never gives up. He never loses faith. He's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Right? Can you? read that and say, yep, that's me, Or you're going to go, I have the world. Right? Think about the places you have the hardest time to love and add that to the end the person. Andrew is patient and kind at work. Right? Andrew is patient and kind at school. Andrew is patient and kind at home. Andrew is patient and kind with his interview. in yeah. are often hard on others. But people who have learned to forgive themselves are quick to forgive others. Right? Learning to understand your own shortcomings and to love yourself in your best allows you to love others in their best. And love for yourself comes from understanding God's love for you. 1 John 4, 9-10 says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And if we jump down to verses 16-17 uh, through 17, it says, we know how much God loves us, and we, put, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. And in verse 19 it becomes a real circle that we love each other because God And understanding God's love and how much he loves you, allows you to love others well, which we've already talked about when we love others, that's loving God. John 3.16 says, For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Romans 5.8, For God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while while we were still. but God loves you 100% all the time, even while you were still in your skin. If you haven't left, and you're still a mess, maybe you're still a mess today. I know I am. God still loves you. Being able to love yourself and to understand God's love. that little involve taking some time for yourself, doing the things that fill you <laughs> and getting alone with God. Jesus often went and spent time alone with God. He took time for himself. Luke 5, 15-16 says, But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often went through to the wilderness for prayer. You maybe need to hear this today, that Jesus often took time for himself. There are many scriptures that show Jesus going to the mountains and going to the wilderness to be alone with God. Take the time. Do the things that you enjoy and do them with God. Sometimes it'll be sitting still. And other times it'll be doing things that God has instilled in you. Eric Liddell, the Olympic gold medalist runner, and a missionary now, said, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. If there's things that, that you enjoy, God's placed in you and in doing that because he's made you that way, you know, think about for people who like to build things or something like that. I work on a car and I get it running. Yeah, it is. Working how it is meant to work. And when God sees you doing the things that he's created you to do, that's how he feels. He's doing what I made it to do. Love yourself. And this brings us full circle today. Because right, either of these things done in the extreme without the others is no good. You cannot love God without loving others. And I don't think you can really love others without some love for yourself. And you cannot love yourself until you understand the love of God for you. Time with God can be time alone, and time with others can be time with God. But if you're not present in any of these times, then it's not time also. And I know that COVID makes these things difficult right now. You can still spend time. Right? If you can go to the store, you can go out and eat, you know, you can do things with other people. You can invite people over, um, you know, within boundaries that you want to set up. You can even meet over Zoom. I don't think that's the same, but if that's where you need to start, start there. Um, we're going to start table groups, our small groups, up in some way here in the next month or so um, as we get that figured out. But I just There's so much importance in meeting together more than we can. Maybe at the very least, you can join us on Wednesdays if you're not already. Um, there's things for all ages on Wednesday nights. Get together. It's so important. Right? It's literally loving God. Right, let's pray. God, would you grant us these three things today? Right? A desire to love you. That we would desire your commands and focus on your things first. desire to love others. Because without loving others, we're not following your commands and therefore we're not really loving you. And a desire to love ourselves. Because if we cannot understand understand the love you have for us, we cannot fully love those around us, and then we cannot love And Jesus, we thank you for being the greatest example of love that any man, every any person has ever shown. Coming and laying down your life for us. Even before knowing we were saved, even in our worst moments, you still died and showed us that that's the kind of love that we deserve, and in a way, and that's the kind of Uh, we handed out a bunch of them yesterday. We just have some left over. So if you need a meal for your family, feel free to grab one of those out that side door. Uh, or, you know, maybe you know a family in need or somebody else, maybe it's just your neighbor and you want to bless them today, grab one of those and take them. We don't have room to store them, so don't think to not take one. Just take them, right? Go love like Jesus today.